Welcome to Gruesome, your horrific true crime podcast. I am Meg, and our sweet little double ear infection girl, Connie, (laughs) is going to tell us about the Burger Chef murders today. As you know, we are a Zencaster-powered podcast, and we will tell you all about that a little bit later. So, yeah, I've been sick. I feel like since I had COVID, I can't get... I'm just... If you're like, damn, this girl's sick a lot, it's because I have been. She has been sick. <laughs> I'm dying, so enjoy this. This is You texted me last night. It said, I'm going to the ER. My ear hurts. And then the next morning I had the text, I have a double ear infection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm dying. Like, it's... It's okay. It's okay. So, so the episode is late today, but we are here. We are and here. Snaps for Connie. Snap, 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 snap. I wouldn't say thriving, <laughs> but merely surviving, which is the best we can ask at this point. So, <laughs> okay. I would wager that if you mention 1978 to any person who lived in Indiana or any part of the Midwest at the time, you're going to hear the same thing. They would tell you the tale of the blizzard of 78. I was going to say it's the blizzard. It's the blizzard. <laughs> The 24 inches of snow, the almost 25-foot snow drifts, the National Guard had to come in. School was closed for like a month, I think. It's like the defining moment in Indiana. It even snow in Indiana without somebody being like, well, I was alive for the blizzard of 78. This is nothing. Yeah. Even now, if you mention it, like at any point, it's like, this is nothing. Honey, nothing. <laughs> hey, were you alive in the blizzard of 78? You don't know snow. So, so 1978 really seemed to be an apocalyptic time period for the otherwise sleepy town of Speedway, Indiana. Until 1978, the area only had three homicides in the town's entire previous 52 years of existence. Good for them. Not anymore, but no. (laughs) Considering Indianapolis can sometimes be pretty dangerous, more so now than in 1978, three three homicides in 52 years would definitely constitute a quiet, sleepy, safe town. Like I said, 1978 started with the blizzard. Then the town was in shock when a 65-year-old grandmother by the name of Julia Cyphers was shot and killed in her garage by a man who would stop by to ask questions about some china that she had put out in a yard sale a couple of days earlier. Then the first six days of that September brought hell for the small town. From September 1st through the 6th, a series of eight random bombings occurred. Whoa, I didn't know that. That's crazy. A man by the name of Brett Kimberlin was eventually arrested and charged with the bombings as well as he was listed as a suspect in Julia's murder, but he never went to trial for it, and actually no one has ever went to trial for her murder. Oh, that sucks. Both of these events could be episodes on their own, but this hell of a year wasn't over for Speedway, Indiana, and honestly, the worst was definitely yet to come. On November 18th, 1978, officers were called to the Burger Chef at 5725 Crawfordsville Road in Speedway. 
an off-duty employee had stopped by the fast food restaurant. They were like delivering food around 1230 and realized that the back door was open, but there were no employees in sight. Jane Freight, age 20, Daniel Davis, age 16, Mark Flemons, age 16, and Ruth Shelton, age 17, were nowhere to be found. The safe was open. Two empty currency bags were near the safe, and $581 in cash was missing. There was $100 in change still left in the cash register that was untouched. So at first, police believe that the teenagers were over their job. They took the money. They split. They were out partying. And even when they found the two girls' purses and jackets in the restaurant, they still still didn't think that this was anything other than just a robbery. They thought maybe they took the money and went joyriding. So I want to know what you think happened following the initial dispatch to the burger, burger chef. Like, what do you think the police did? Um, showed up, maybe. <laughs> they showed up, looked around, said, oh, these kids will be back. They stole this money and they're out joyriding, like what you said. That is my initial for 1978 mindset attitudes. That's what I think probably happened. Police absolutely convinced that the call was, like I said, just for petty theft and nothing more. They allowed for the other employees to clean the restaurant and open that next day. Oh, no. Oh, that's awful. No crime scene photos were taken. No fingerprints were lifted. No objects were placed into evidence. So if you're listening, go ahead and pick your jaw up off the floor because I was like, what the hell? Even even if it was a robbery, you still need to get evidence. Yeah. Like, How are you going to prove that these kids did steal the money if you don't have the evidence other than like, oh, they were the only ones here. So obviously it was them. Yeah, because if it were a robbery, maybe they got scared and ran away. Like they were like, yeah, burger chef. Heck? Like I'm, I'm leaving. <laughs> and if you're not familiar with a burger chef, um, it started in Indiana, like Indianapolis. There were like a thousand or some little franchises. They were number two to like the only fast food restaurant that was above them was McDonald's. A They're not around th- anymore, are they? No, they were bought by the company that owns Hardee's. Oh, okay, they were the original flame broiled burger. Not the BK Lounge. Not the BK Lounge. The BC Lounge. And they offered like a fun meal that had like kids food and toys, which they sued McDonald's because McDonald's patented the Happy Meal afterwards. And they thought that McDonald's stole their idea. That's the real crime. (laughs) (laughs) That McDonald's stole this from the burger chef. It was a whole thing. I know that's not the real crime, but. Yeah, I, we don't. A twisted sure web we weave. Some, someone will definitely send us a message about that. Even after Jane's 1974 Chevrolet Vega was found abandoned only a mile and a half away later that Saturday morning, they still thought like maybe it was a petty theft. When they realized the driver's side door was locked and the passenger side was unlocked, police started to think, okay, maybe someone was kidnapped. But none of the families had received ransom calls or heard from the kids. And at this point, it had already been a full day since the kidnapping occurred. But this was not, 
the idea of murder was not even on police radar. That was not even something they were considering, not even the slightest. That Sunday, nearly two days after the call into the police about the back door being opened at the Burger Chef, 20 miles from the restaurant and just two miles from Center Grove High School, a couple was hiking in a secluded patch of woods when they stumbled upon two bodies. The bodies would be identified as Ruth Shelton and Daniel Davis. Both of the teenagers were laying on their side, shot in the back of the head execution style with a 38 caliber gun. Jane was found a few yards away. Investigators said that it was like she was trying to escape when she was chased down. She was stabbed twice in the chest with a hunting knife using such force that the blade of the hunting knife was broken off and still lodged into her chest. Oh, that's the worst. Yeah. Mark Fleming's body was also found in the area, and it was determined that he died from asphyxiation from his own blood. From, and it was the result of blunt force trauma to his head. And they assumed, like, maybe it was some sort of chain that had caused, like, the contusion investigators believe that if mark would have been able to roll over to his stomach it would have been likely that he would have survived the attack but he was laying on his back so he had choked on his own blood so sad all four of the victims were found still in their brown and orange burger chef uniforms there was no sign of any sexual assault jane freight had started working for the burger chef chain when she was just 17 years old she was considered a well-rounded individual she was involved in a number of activities when she was in school. She had long hair and dimples and a, quote, zany smile. Friends said that she was always smiling and always willing to tell a joke. She had just transferred to the Speedway Burger Chef in the spring of 1978, and she took her manager position very serious. She was described as a great boss who could let the small stuff go to get the job done so she wasn't too hung up on the menial stuff that goes on good for her we don't love a micromanager Mm -mm. ruth shelton was a junior in northwest high school she took a lot of stem related classes and was taking double the math and business classes because she wanted to get into a good college she wanted to earn her degree in the new major of computer science and for a girl to take STEM classes in 1978, that's a pretty big thing. She went to church. She mentored young girls. She even studied voice at what is now the University of Indianapolis. Her mom told investigators that when she dropped Ruth off at work on that Friday afternoon, got a little emotional, <laughs> she paused in the parking lot to admire how her little girl was growing up to be such a wonderful young woman and that she had her whole life ahead of her. She remembered thinking, what a great time to be alive. Hmm. Yeah. Mark Flemons was the youngest of seven children. He had some trouble adjusting to the difficulty of high school his freshman year, but he was really like turning his schoolwork around his sophomore year. He was a friendly kid who took pride in his appearance. He always made sure to dress nice. His dad had allowed him to get the job at the Burger Chef because he had made such improvements his sophomore year. And then Daniel Davis was a junior at Decatur Central High School. He was new to the Friday night shift. He had only been moved to that shift the week prior when another girl had quit her job. He was passionate about photography, and he even developed pictures in his own light room. Or I'm sorry, in his own dark room. 
he had plans to enlist in the Air Force after high school. All four of these employees who were working Friday night were considered like model. The store manager said that all three of the high schoolers would work upwards of 30 hours a week and maintain good grades in school. That's crazy. Yeah. They were never late. They were trustworthy. That's why initially when they were like, oh, this is a robbery. He was like, wait, what? No. Yeah. No. (laughs) Police realized immediately how much they messed up the initial investigation. And not really on purpose, but because they had really never even considered that the four kids being murdered was a scope of possibility. Even when they thought that it could be a potential kidnapping, that thought still never crossed their minds. These four young people literally had their whole lives ahead of them, and this completely shocked the community. Police had looked over crime scene photos to see if there was anything that they may have missed. And if you're thinking, but Connie, you told us there were no crime scene photos, you would be correct. Because after the bodies were found, police went back into the burger chef, arranged items from memory, and took pictures. That doesn't count. They recreated where the money bags were left by the safe. And the public and reporters would let her be like, look, this is unethical. You can't do this. Like, and Yeah, that's not even you. It's fake. You just and yeah. you had them clean the areas anyway. So even just resetting up, like, yes, you have a, a memory to look at how it might have happened, but you don't mm-hmm. have anything other than that. What's the point? Just take the pictures without setting it i don't know that's yeah dumb, dumb, dumb. and a defense would eat up that if i were a defense attorney i'd be like didn't you guys make up all of these crime scene photos like because you didn't take them yeah what else are you dropping the ball on it would later be assumed because we really have no idea what actually happened that night But it would be assumed that one of the boys had opened the door to take the trash out as part of their closing routine. They had made it to that point because the restaurant was clean like it was almost finished with its cleaning checklist. So it is assumed that when one of the boys opened the back door to take the trash out, someone forced their way into the restaurant through that door because the front door was locked. The The outlook of solving this case seemed bleak from the beginning with no evidence at all, not even a single fingerprint. The police had zero information to go on. A witness had come forward saying that they had seen two men sitting in a car outside of the restaurant before it closed. One of the men had a beard. One of them didn't. Middle-aged white men. Sketches were made based off of these descriptions. And I'm going to put them like in our notes and stuff that we do. Police followed a lead from they had received a report that there was a man in the bar talking about being involved in the murders, like boasting about it. Detective Virgil Vandegrift a detective with the Marion County Sheriff's Department even went undercover to go talk to this man. He bragged about everything to Vandergriff about what he did to the victims. But when he was brought down to the police station and given a polygraph test, he passed with flying colors. He was like, no, 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 no. I had nothing to do with this. Like, I didn't have any. That wasn't me. Why would you even brag about something like that? Like, that's... In what world would somebody be like, yeah, you killed four kids. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no one's going to think you're cool. And if they think you're cool, they're shitheads and they're not cool. They're as scummy as you are. 
he did give the police the names of a couple of men who he heard were involved. So police, like, once again, chased down another lead. One of the men actually looked like the police sketch of the man with the beard. But when he was called in to do a lineup, he shaved his beard the night before. Surprise. Which we both know can completely change the look of someone's face. Yeah, that's a different person now. Mm -hmm. If you have a beard and you shave your beard off, you're a whole, like, you could have a whole new identity. And I had to look at this, that aspect, like, uh, I had to play devil's advocate for a second. Because at first I was like, well, he's guilty. Like, why would you shave your beard? But if it were me, if I were picked up or being questioned about this, and I knew the only reason they thought it was, like, I would be picked out is because of, like, a distinct feature I have, a beard. The baby yeah. like every other middle-aged white man, I would shave my beard. With a beard? <laughs> yeah, that's fair. But <laughs> it does make you look guilty as well. It does make you look very guilty. Burger Chef put out a $25,000 reward for any information regarding, like, leading to the arrest in the case, which that's a lot of money back then. That's a lot of money. But there's still no leads. Even when another anonymous donor pledged another $10,000, there were still no leads. There were tons of calls and letters that were sent in, like we see in many of these cases like this. But nothing really panned out. And it kind of seemed like people started to forget about the case. It was fading from, you know, the front pages of the papers. People weren't talking about it as much. Vandegrift stayed researching. He followed every single lead, almost to the point of an obsession. He constantly poured over photographs, constantly listened to like case tapes and everything. He went to Ohio to talk to a medium. That's how like where it got. I know whenever they get to like the mediums or like the uh, just like psychics in general, I'm like, we're going deep. We're yep. trying to find some stuff out. He gave her a stack of a hundred mug shots and she would flip them over and be like, or like they were flipped over and she would just like put her hand like whether it was like yes or no. And some of the mug shots that she pulled out from face down, they looked like mug they were mugshots of people that the investigators had their eyes on. He said that in this case, it was a go with anything and everything. It's not like we went that route immediately, like referring to the mediums. As soon as we felt that there was a reason to head that direction, we decided to do that. If it was a waste of time, it was a waste of time. At least we tried something. And I agree with that. Like I agree, like doing whatever you can. In December of 1984, six years after the Burger Chef murders, a call came in from the Pendleton Correction Facility to Mel Wilsey, a 34-year-old detective. It was from an inmate who said that he wanted to confess to the murders. Donald Wayne Forrester, a 34-year-old man serving a 95-year prison sentence for raping a woman, Investigators thought that he was just confessing to the murders because he was about to be moved to the Indiana State Prison in Michigan City, which is a prison that like inmates don't want to go to, especially going to one as a sex offender. Why would confessing to another crime not make you go there? Because you have to have an investigation. Do you know? Mm -hmm. oh, okay. Yeah, he would have stayed local for longer. So they bring him in. They had found out that he grew up in New Whiteland in Johnson County, which was really close to where the bodies had been found. He had been li living in Speedway at the time of the murder when, because he had recently been released from jail or from prison on a prior rape conviction. 
the same day of the, as the murders. He confessed to Detective Wilsey that he shot Davis and Shelton, and then he started to give information that wasn't readily available to the public. So much so that Wilsey put him in the back of a cop car and drove him out to where the bodies were found. He pointed out exactly where the four bodies were found without any prompt. He told them exactly where he shot Davis and Shelton, how they were laying, because like I said, they were laying on their sides. And this information wasn't released to the public. And this is his version of the night, what he says happened. He said that Jane Freight's brother, James, was involved in drugs and owed money from a drug deal. And this is another tip that they had received many times to look into Jane's brother. He said that James hadn't paid the money that he was supposed to. So Forrester and a few associates went to the burger chef that night to threaten Jane as a scare tactic to get her brother to pay up. Flemons heard the commotion and stepped in to try and help Jane, like the polite and kind kid that he was. A fight broke out. Flemons fell on his head and hit it on the back of the van that Forrester and his crew had drove in, in which is how he explained the, the trauma because he knew about the trauma to the back of his head. The fall was hard enough that it knocked Flemons out, so they thought they had killed him. Their solution was, now we have to take the other three because they're witnesses. He admitted to shooting Davis and Shelton, and he gave the names of three other people who were involved that night. He gave details about the knife being broken off in Jane's chest and the handle being gone. He tried walking them over to where he had threw the handle, but it wasn't there. Because it had been six years. And that was a big detail because that had the fact that it was broken off in her chest had not been released. The police interviewed his ex-wife who confirmed that he had her drive out to that area with him to look for shell casings. And he found, when he found them, he flushed them down their toilet. 38 caliber shell casings down their toilet. So he did find them though. He like went and found the ones. Yeah. Even further adding to this belief of holy shit, we have our guy is the fact that they contacted the new owners of the house because the, the foresters had lived in at the time because they lived in a house that had a septic system. Oh, so they would be in there. So they were able to pump it and dig through six years of raw sewage. Ugh fecal matter if you're not familiar with septic systems disgusting and they found several 38 caliber shell casings now listen if you're not familiar with an indiana august it is hot as shit <laughs> that's, it's, that's like how they describe it in science yeah hot as shit <laughs> so this is sewage being dug through in the middle of august Ugh. Summer shit. Yeah. Oof. Ugh, I can smell it. Like I, I know. I know I, I'm just like, I feel like I can smell it. I could smell it in the back of my throat, if that makes sense. Gross. <laughs> you made yourself gag. You deserve this. <laughs> That's awful. Everyone was convinced that Forrester was their man. I'm convinced that Forrester was their man. Yeah, that's pretty incriminating. How long before he recants? 
prosecutors were the only ones who were not quite convinced. And it wasn't like they didn't believe it, but they are prosecutors. So they're like, we need the solid evidence that links him specifically to these murders. They wanted there to be no room for doubt when they took this case to trial. And they had all different agencies like combing through all the evidence, any facts, anything that could be like that piece of evidence that put this son of a bitch away. They were working on this for almost two years. On December 22nd, 1986, instead of announcing that they would be pursuing charges against Forrester, prosecutor Stephen Goldsmith announced that Forrester wouldn't be charged with the four murders, and he admitted that he doubted anyone ever would. Why? So what happened, right? On November 14th, someone within the police department leaked that Forrester had been talking to police and that and they leaked how much he was cooperating the evidence he was sharing and they leaked it to the media okay say it again but slower for my brain someone within the police department leaked to the media that Forrester had been talking to police and they leaked how much information he was sharing okay I am assuming he got scared of the repercussions because he had name-dropped three people that participated in the murders. Okay. So he withdrew his confession. Yeah, there it is. But police, honestly, police weren't worried about that part of it because they had him on tape confessing. They were like, okay, we got you. But he clammed up. He wouldn't speak to them. He wouldn't give them any other, you know, they still hadn't found the gun. They had, like, he was dragging these officers along let's be realistic he would he didn't want to go to michigan city he's staying in pendleton giving them like it's like a hannibal lecter situation like you're giving just like little bits and pieces yeah i'm coming back but he stopped speaking completely wouldn't give them anything else nothing else so without him helping gather any additional evidence they were at a complete stall again there is still a detective assigned to this case Wilsey and or Vandergriff from earlier, they still talk about this case. They're both retired at this point, but no arrests have ever been made. And honestly, most people, like I said, including myself, believe that Forrester was their guy. He did spend the rest of his life in prison. He died in 2006 from cancer. So it's likely this case will forever be unsolved. So what about the people he name dropped? Did they not like go find those guys or? I think they had questioned some of them, but like they didn't want to lead on too much because they still, he was still giving them evidence. Because those are still people Mm -hmm. that did this and that got to be out in the world. I don't know that they are still out in the world, but if they are. But what's crazy is that this case didn't nearly get the national attention that it otherwise would have. Because do you know what happened on November 18th, 1978? Was there was it an assassination? No. No? Okay. Uh, 78. I don't know. On November 18th, 1978, 918 individuals died from cyanide poisoning at Jonestown. Oh, yeah. So, so what I was, was like- on national news? Yeah, Jonestown. Jones, that was everywhere. That's every. That's what Day everyone. Parade. Mm-hmm. Everyone talked about that. That was like, obviously, like the big, huge news. Like no one. I don't know why I thought it was an. I mean, it kind of was, but oh, 
Woof. And to get and it, outshadowed, like overshadowed by something so insane. Yeah. Like just like, on yep. top of another insane case. Yeah. Because you think about it, like it was this, the Burger Chef murders were big news, like locally, but it may have been like a ticket at the, you know, like a little ticker at the bottom or just like a side story. But everyone was talking about Jonestown, like everyone that was world famous news. Yeah, I mean, Rich. we still talk about it today. And how many and, people are talking about the Burger Chef murders outside of like central Indiana, you know? And what's crazy is that the Church of P- whatever it was that started in Indianapolis. Ooh, spooky. Yeah. Spooky links. They have a, um, like, they planted trees and like they have a bench for each of the victims and it gives like a small biography about them and they have a bench for their families to go sit. Oh, that's nice. But it's, yeah, that is, I think, I think that. that I feel like that guy was definitely it. Yeah. Like you're not. So somebody in the police force was telling the media like, hey, we got our guy. This is happening. He's talking. This is all going down. And then like someone published something about it and they, he was like, "Mm, just kidding. Yeah, they don't even know if it was a police officer or just someone who worked at the police department. It could have been like a records keeper or something. But if you think about it, like if he is involved, like if these are like drug dealers who are like, you know, not the great, like nicest guys, they probably have a pretty big reach. And he didn't want to deal like he didn't. I think he got scared. Or the other theory I had when I was like daydreaming about this is he wasn't the one who did it, but he was like the lackey who was involved with it. And willing to take the fall. Or like he, and like all of the information he was given, like was. That just like seems I, like a lot of it, like detailed information for a I, lackey. I feel like he was there, but maybe the, if drugs were involved, like the guy who orchestrated it is probably like, you know, like. Higher up. Yeah, like a worse bad guy than Forrester. What was he I, in jail for? What was he in his ni- doing his 95 years for? Rape. Oh, rape. Yeah. Fudge that guy. That guy sucks butts. Yeah, and I, it's, what was weird to me is they were convinced that it was when they were taking the trash out. But then it's, did they take the trash out? Was Jane already out there, like, arguing with these people about her brother I don't know. I would think it would have had to have been like a pretty significant fight. Yeah. With Flemons, like for him to hit his head that like that hard. To also, that, like that's him. a teenage boy, you know, like if you're going up against adult men and, and like a bigger one pushes you hard. Like, yeah, and you're there going were, down. Yeah, there were four of them. Exactly. I buy I buy that for sure. Yeah. Especially with, I mean, ugh. What a- it's just weird to me that it's, you're like, oh shit, they've seen us. We have to kill the ball. That's very like. <laughs> it's a movie. Yeah. It's yeah. Sure. That's like, that's what happens in a movie. It sounds like a movie. Honestly, the whole thing does. Mm-hmm. Even like the police being like, nothing to see here. Go ahead and open. You're good to go. And then being like. Yeah. Messy police work. I'm sure that they feel awful. And they oh. should. Yeah. Yeah. It uh like they're definitely still getting like sl- flack for this. Yeah, that Vandergriff, he 
because he didn't work. Speedway police initially had the case and the way protocol works, they have to be at like Mary County Sheriff's Department had to be asked to like participate in the investigation. So he said that as soon as he was able to participate, that he was like, we fucked this up. Because think about it. These are dumbass. Not they're not the smartest criminals, obviously. But if they were, you know, there probably was fingerprints on the doorknobs. There's finger, you know, like blood out. Yeah, blood parking lot. Blood outside the where he fell. Like there was plenty of stuff going on. There was plenty of evidence they probably could have taken. And he said that's one of the things that he just moles, like it just destroys him thinking about that, about yeah. how it could, how much different it could have went had they not been so close minded, like yeah. so close minded. Well, let's do an ad to make ourselves not think <laughs> about this for a second. If you have started thinking about starting a podcast and we think you should. You should use Zencaster. You can start podcasts about taxes, about physical fitness. Maybe you have another niche topic that you yourself are an expert on. We would listen to a tax podcast right now. <laughs> Absolutely. If you are a tax expert, hit us up because we <laughs> we have questions. <laughs> holler at your girls. We need your help. But anyways. You can use Zencaster to record remotely. You high quality video, high quality recording, a lot of cool features that are going to be dropping soon that we can't even tell you guys. That's how freaking cool they are. Secret. But Secret. if you join Zencaster, you'll find out. You'll be privy to know. And if you want to just try it, head to Zencaster.com slash pricing. Use promo code gruesome with a capital G. And then let us know about your podcast. We'll help you. Yeah. Let us know. It's. Yeah. And then after you're done signing up for Zencaster, maybe you head over to our Patreon. And you say, hey guys, I've caught up with your back catalog. I listened to 80 episodes in one and a half weeks, which is crazy when you guys tell us that. I'm like, you are listening to a lot of us. And that yeah. is wild. We uh, have. But we have bonus episodes on our Patreon. You can yeah, we have. Out. As of right now, we have three different tiers. A $3 tier, which once a month you get one mini episode. A $7 tier where you get two mini episodes, one full-size episode. A $10 tier, the $10 tier, the world-famous $10 tier, where you get two mini episodes, a bonus episode, awesome sticker, a sticker of the month delivered once a month to your door from us. That is I mailed them out myself custom designed they're awesome every month we do a discord hangout where you can come hang out with us and talk to us we're very active on the patreon when it lets us like know you guys are talking to us (laughs) that's patreon thing not us (laughs) we're active in our discord it's really cool we love hanging out with you guys you pick the episodes some of the bigger episodes that we get requested a lot that's where they the bonus episodes come from they go straight to our patreon and a secret pretty soon. I'm going to tell him, Meg. I'm going to tell him. You can tell him. I think it's okay. Uh, starting in May, you will be able to pay $1, Uno Dolores, $1 to list a month to listen to our episodes ad free. You won't get any of the extra bonus stuff. 
but you will get ad-free episodes. If you are get that annoyed with us telling you an ad and you're like, I'm willing to pay $1 to never have to hear yeah, think I- this, these things again, that's all you, baby. You Come won't even in. notice. You won't even notice that that dollar is gone. <laughs> I told Connie that I probably spend upwards of 5 to $10 on just random claw machines throughout the counties I live around. Yeah, I I don't do that, but I throw away a dollar and change at least a month. You throw it away? Yeah. Ugh. Like a penny you don't want to pick up when you're sweeping or something? No, just I just throw change away. Oh, you're a monster. In Get the a federal jar. In the federal treasury when they're like we have a coin shortage, it's a picture of me. <laughs> just Connie throwing her pennies in the trash can like an animal. What do I do with it? I don't like the smell of change. I give it to my daughter. Put on it. I give it to my kids and sometimes they'll play with them. And like my middle son really also likes claw machines. But sometimes I just throw it away. I'm going to get you a piggy bank for I have like six of them around the house. Please don't. I'm going to get you an even bigger one that you look at. (laughs) Just a giant one. Hey, I did want to tell you though, I've been going to the post office so much that the guy at the front desk calls me kiddo now. It happened to me the other day when I went to go check our P.O. box. I was like, we're on we're on nickname basis. I got to think of one. for I'm going to start calling him like big guy or something. Yeah, you was, go, kiddo. Thanks, really big delighted. guy. Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty I would lovely. panic and do something creepy like daddy. Like, <laughs> Please don't. Oh, God. He'd this be like, a- here you go, kiddo. I'd be like, thanks, daddy. Oh. <laughs> Really just turn it around on <laughs> I'm like I'm 64. <laughs> I I could never show my face in that post office again. I would be like, I don't I don't live I'm moving out of that town now if I ever call the guy at the post office daddy. Panic and then I say the weird shit. Like daddy postmaster. Like- <laughs> He'd like oh, here you go, kiddo, and I'd be like, Bleh. <laughs> word vomit Whoop. that was weird and i made it weirder and that's why megan handles all of that stuff that's why i go to the post office because i'm not going to call the guy actually <laughs> megan goes to the post office because i would never send anything out it's only a couple of blocks from my house so i don't mind and there's oh. also a coffee shop pretty close to it i have all of those things by my post office <laughs> like my post office is like right up <laughs> Right in the middle of town. Right up around. It's right where I go to the flower shop like seven times a week and <laughs> I might get my plants. And I still can't. Your control. Easter centerpiece was lovely. Was Shout out to your florist. Yeah, I go in there enough to just wear. She's like, what kind of plants are you looking for? And I'm like, something I can't kill. <laughs> and she lets my daughter feed the fish. So we like go up there. Oh, and that's like cute. Hang out. Connie and I were just talking about the state of our plants. And I, mine is very indicative of my mental health. Like they're all dying right now. And honestly, same plants. Like the I don't only... have to take care of myself, let alone you, let alone you. No, I'm sick. My plants are sick. My poppies are <laughs> thriving. My snake plants are thriving out there. I mean, I can see how tall they are. Yeah, like that they're doing well. But anything that requires any type of attention, I'm like, I don't have that in me right now. Snake plants and potzos, they're legally required to do well. Like, it's in their yeah. contract. That's like, she's like, what kind of plants do you want? I'm like, you got any more potzos? She's like, don't you have, like, six? I'm like, yeah. 
Yeah, but they're so fluffy, and you just, like, you don't water them for a month, and then you give them a little bit, they pop right back up. It's like me in high school with, like, ex-boyfriends. They could just ghost me for a month and then just give me a little bit of attention. I'm going to be like, you rank? Like, (laughs) who? Me? Did you need me? Here I am. We're not that girl anymore, Connie. No, I'm not. (laughs) Now I just ghost people for years at a time. (laughs) Yeah, now we just don't talk to our very dearest friends for months on end (laughs) until we feel bad and like three in the morning one day and text them at 6 a.m. How how have you been? (laughs) Well, I get to the point where I avoid conversation so much and then it's awkward to continue the conversation. I feel so bad. So then it's like, I don't know that person anymore. Yeah, that happens. I actually have been thinking about one of my friends recently that I haven't talked to in too long and I need to message her and I'm gonna do it tomorrow hold me to it I I can't me a message that says don't forget to text your friend (laughs) I just I'm I'm not good at it like I love conversating I love the conversation and then it's and then I don't I don't know how to end the conversation so I just Sometimes you can be like me and I type a full text to you and then I just put my phone down and I don't send it. I do that all the time yeah. with you. But I don't feel bad just popping in like a couple of hours later to say, no. hey, I never sent this. Sometimes you're like, I'm sorry I've been absent. And I'm like, I didn't know. I didn't notice. I know. I, I feel that. That's This week was one of those where I was just like, I'm so sorry that I have not been there for you this week. And you were like, nope, I didn't even... That's irrelevant. <laughs> okay. You do you, boo You do you. Yeah. Pharmacology is kicking my ass right now. So I have been absent in lots of places. Or if you saw my particularly zany reel the other night and then the story that followed, I was just like trying to find joy in literally anything. <laughs> I have been obviously sick as shit, but this is another snaps moment. This is my last week working outside of my house. I start a whole new career, not just like a new job. It's just like a whole new career. Monday, I'm excited. Monday, I get to work get from through home. this week. And if you're like Connie, are you working from home just so you can work on the podcast? Bitch, you know it. That's the truth. And to do laundry because unless you're her future boss, then absolutely not. No, then I'm going to definitely <laughs> dedicate my life to my new job. <laughs> Probably. But I don't talk about the podcast to a lot of people that I like in conversation. In real life. Yeah. Yeah. My husband drops it to everyone and my kids tell people too that their mom is a famous podcaster. And I'm like, no. <laughs> stop. Stop saying that. You see no, that one reel or that little clip in the stories of my six-year-old and she Oh my gosh, she's seven of my seven-year-old. And she goes, mom, you're not even famous. I was like, I know. I know I'm not. Like, And she's like, no. Rubbing it in, getting it home. No, you're really not. You're seven years old. Why are you so mean? She's like, I learned from my spirit animal, Connie. Her Auntie Connie, yeah. Auntie Coco. (laughs) That's what my sister's kids call me. Speaking of Coco, do you feel like the Kardashian trial is overshadowing the Johnny Depp trial right now? Yeah, and I'm kind of pissed off about it. I 
don't want to be canceled. So if you have thoughts on the Johnny Depp trial and you want to send them to us, I will gladly engage there. Please. I I will also. I am also annoyed about it because, like, I don't care. Like, I love, I actually do really like the Kardashians. And I keep up with their like lives, but I don't care about that trial that's happening. With, like, no. And I think it's. No, I don't. This is the, I feel like the Johnny Depp trial is so much bigger than that. Like, yeah, it's so much bigger for a number of reasons. Like I said, if you care to talk to us about it, please message us because I am very passionate slash obsessed slash haven't been able to sleep slash I'm an expert in all things Johnny Depp and Amber Heard right now. So holler at you. And how crazy that we live in a world where it's like, I can't tell people because what if it's not what they like? We're going to get a smear campaign. We can't do it. That's fair. Honestly, that's fair. And I'm with you. And I will watch from my phone as Connie interacts with you on her phone about (laughs) about the cases, if you so choose to discuss them. Until my social media (laughs) meter runs out. And then I'm just like. (laughs) Then I'll tap in and just be like, thank you for playing. Have a nice night. I also need to know if people have watched The Girl from Plainfield. Because I have binged that as well. And I also- Plainfield? Plainville. 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 You said, had said that and I was like, I didn't know what you were talking about. And then I saw the show and I was like, I think that must have been it. Did you, have you watched Fresh? No, I haven't watched anything. I've been uh, just- Take a break and watch, I think it's called Fresh. It's the new Sebastian Stan movie who is like- my baby daddy like <laughs> lolo baby daddy lolo he's so gorgeous and i will watch it in four weeks when this semester okay. is over it's Give really me good too. one month and i will try to Fun. watch every single thing i can in a span of seven days before i start my next round of classes <laughs> i don't miss that dude but i also have to learn a whole new like life you do you'll be great she's gonna be great no, I read that the number one worst job for people who have moderate to severe ADHD is anything admin. And I was like, oh, shit. Whoops. Well, I'm going to do admin work from my house. This could go well or not well. I think and it'll it- be fine. I think that you <laughs> can focus on something enough to get it done. Like if you have like a date, like, hey, we need this by this, then you'll do it. Yeah. I think we'll give it to them at the exact time that they request. Yes. (laughs) uh, It's like that TikTok where it's like, you better work, bitch. That's how I feel with my ADHD medicine now. I just have one thing to say. You better work. (laughs) Or I will be working. Actually, federal employees rarely rarely get fired. So there's that. (laughs) That's fair. All right. We will see you guys next week or come sign up on our Patreon and you can listen to some more episodes. Yay. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Gruesome Horrific True Crime, a Zencaster powered podcast. Seriously, we wouldn't be here without them. Zencaster is simple to use and makes it easy to edit your own podcast. Zencaster gives you automatic high-quality post-production sound, transcription, and HD video recordings of 
all of your episodes. If you want to start a podcast, and we think you should, click the link in the show notes or at our website and use the code GRUESOME with a capital G for 30% off your first three months. We love you, beautiful strangers. And if you love us too, here are some ways that you can support Gruesome. Please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcast or a five-star rating on Spotify. This helps other true crime connoisseurs find us. Follow us at Gruesome Podcasts on Instagram or TikTok and talk to us on our posts. Join the Patreon. Sign up to join our True Crime Sticker of the Month Club and gain access to bonus episodes and exclusive Patreon perks. Or if a one-time donation is more your thing, we have a Venmo at Gruesome Podcast and a PayPal via our email, gruesomepodcast at gmail.com. Speaking of which, we love hearing from you. It seriously makes our whole life. So send us your questions, comments, suggestions, or just ask our opinion on whether that person you met on Tinder is a serial killer or not. Tune in next week and don't forget, lock your windows, lock your doors, and on Wednesdays, we're we're gruesome. gruesome. Bye. Bye. (laughs) 